It's all about Jesus. Jesus, teach us to pray. Our Bible reading is Matthew 6, 9 to 18. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret with will reward you. Amen. Uh, we're going to continue in our series on prayer. Um, uh, this is the third week, and this week we're looking at deepening prayer. So uh, let me pray, uh, and, uh, and we'll, we'll have a look at this passage and other passages. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather and to pray. Uh, Lord, uh, after a year of, I guess being forced into a different um, type of reality of lockdowns. I think you've really triggered us, Lord, to uh, remember those words about what the heart of worship is. And Lord, as a church, we pray as we consider these passages and, and your call to us to pray, but not just talk to you, but in a deepening sense, Lord. We pray that you will reveal yourself and we pray that you will... Uh, bless us now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you saw, if that video had sound, you would have uh, come across David Attenborough's voice, and most of you would know David Attenborough. Uh, it's about the Great Barrier Reef, and I've had the privilege of snorkeling and doing tours up on the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, the problem with the Great Barrier Reef is to get to the real good stuff, you need to dive, and there is no way you're going to get me to go beyond the surface. I'm not sure if I mentioned when I was at the Wit Sundays once, and I think I might have mentioned this, and, and there was a, uh, and I was snorkeling, and there was, like when you snorkel, you, you're close to the bottom, because that's where the good stuff is. And then I remember I was snorkeling away, and, uh, and I kind of drifted a bit, and, uh, and I looked around, like I was looking this way, and it was all this beautiful, like there's a turtle, and all sorts of wonderful things that you can see, and then I looked this way, and it was the deep drop off. Uh, the shelf just went straight down and this groper just came charging up and it was the, the, the most frightening thing I've ever seen. But the thing about uh, snorkelling is you get to get you know, bits and pieces of the things that are on the surface. You can get to some of the coral and the coral's beautiful and whatever. But if you want to know the wonders of the ocean, if you really want to see the depths of things which you will never see unless uh, you go deeper, you need to dive. 
and you need to either dive in a scuba suit or you need to dive in some sort of, uh, in some sort of submarine type vehicle, which you would have seen on that video, where you start encountering things that you would never have encountered if you just stayed on the surface. And I think this is the same as our relationship with God. And as we talk about prayer, I think it's important for us to understand that praying, as we often do, is one thing, but diving deeper into that relationship will often bring you into experiences and understandings that you would never have known unless you spent the time to go deeper and deeper into your prayer life. Uh, now, two weeks ago, we started the series and we said that all prayer is a response to our knowledge of God. Whether you're praying as a Christian or praying as any, uh, in any type of faith, ultimately it's a response to the creation that's around you, the limited uh, knowledge of God, uh, God's power and his divine uh, nature is evident. And so what happens in all religions is they start filling in the gaps of who this God might be or who these gods might be. Now, the privilege we have uh, that we saw is that we are given God's special revelation, the revelation of himself, which is the Bible. And so we have access to God and who he is on a level uh, that those without Christ and without the Holy Spirit in them, even if they have the words of the Bible, will not get a deeper understanding of. And last week we then looked at learning prayer and we looked at the Lord's Prayer and we looked at uh, how praying like hypocrites isn't uh, so good, but ultimately we have a model for prayer, uh, for praise, for confession, for thanksgiving and for uh, petition. But it's one thing to pray a prayer and it's another thing to spend time in prayer. And I think uh, this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look uh, at some of, well, I'm going to look at two types of things we can do to deepen our prayer life, to deepen our relationship with God. Uh, but I just want to draw your attention, and I did mention this maybe two years ago or, or so, but this is the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. Now, it's not the Bible, uh, but it's written by Adele Calhoun, and it's got, she's, a, she's a great Christian woman, and, and it's got some wonderful techniques and things in which we can do to help us deepen our relationship with God and, and really focus. And I just want to list all the types of prayer that she mentions. Okay, so she mentions breath prayer, centering prayer, contemplative prayer, conversational prayer, fasting, fixed hour prayer, inner healing prayer, intercessory prayer, labyrinth prayer, liturgical prayer, prayer partners, praying scripture, prayer of recollection, and prayer walking. Now, there's some techniques, and I'm talking about techniques. I'm not talking about that you have to go and do all these things, but they're ways that Christians over the centuries have learnt how to pray in a deeper and deeper way. And today, I just want to spend time in two of those. And she doesn't say it outrightly, but one is meditation, and, and try to break down what meditation isn't and what it is, and fasting, um, because I think they're two very key parts of uh, what the scriptures say we probably should be doing. So as we look at uh, meditation, uh, we have to understand that all deep personal relationship encounters uh, 
start with deep conversation. Okay, you start with your, you know, how's the weather, how are you going, you get to know each other, and then as you deepen a relationship, you deepen your conversation. It's the sharing of each other, and it's the sharing of our beliefs, our character, our values, but a good conversationalist will always be good at listening. I'm sure you've got people in your life that are very good listeners and they just seem to be able to listen and understand what you're saying and you really value their, their, their friendship. But then you might have others who you never get a word in. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and you try to speak into it and you leave thinking, I feel like I've just given so much. Now, you know, there's, there's times for that and there's seasons for that and there's good parts for that for a relationship when the other person needs so much. But when, when it's all one-sided, you soon learn that your friendship or your relationship isn't really deepening. It's just really you counselling or, 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 or being an ear for the other person. And in a sense, our, our relationship with God can be like that. If all we're doing is talking and talking and talking and talking, but we're never listening, then I'm not sure you're really getting to know God. Or maybe you're just listening to his word and trying to understand who he is, but you never tell him anything. Well, I just want to draw your attention to Psalm 1. And Psalm 1, the first three verses, starts like this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I just want to draw your attention to verse 2 there. Uh, a person who is blessed or happy or content or with joy, uh, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God, and who meditates on his law day and night. Now that seems like a, uh, a, a very intense kind of idea to meditate on the law day and night, God's word day and night. But I think we've got a misunderstanding of what meditation means. See, meditation, I think, in God's word is more than finding a room or a, or a cave in a mountain somewhere and sitting in the lotus pose and trying to figure out uh, where the emptiness of the world comes from. Now, I, I, I think if, this is a really practical way that we walk with the Lord in whom we are deepening relationship with. Now imagine the difference to your life if you were to take some of these verses and I'm going to read to, and you spent time mulling them, chewing them, walking with them, talking to God about them, asking him if it's true or to show you these things. Now some of you will be familiar with these verses but imagine grabbing this verse and, and, and coming to a place where you believe it with the fullness of everything. Psalm 139.14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Or Hebrews 13.6, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do, for me, to, do to me? 
Imagine walking through a persecution or walking through uh, a time of life where you are, you, you are under pressure at work or whatever it might be and you can hold that firmly in your heart. Or Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Or 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What if you were to be grappling with a sin that you just cannot seem to overcome? Can you take hold of that and believe that? Or Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, what I'm putting to you this morning is that we are called to meditate on God's word. And what that means is that we take God's word And we mull it over, we chew it, we walk with it, we spend time thinking about it and whether we, how that applies to our life. We talk to God about it, we ask him questions about it, we we start questioning our own life and seeing where we may need to change in order uh, to believe it. Now that verse, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now I tell you, if you can grab hold of that, and you can take that deep into the, in, into the recesses of your mind and into your heart and you can take that into yourself, whether you're young or whether you're old, then the words of those around you about your, 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 your body, big issue in these days. The failings that you think you have because of your mind or your body or anything about you. Well, no, God has made you. You have been made fearfully and wonderfully. And we know that his works are wonderful. You are his work. Imagine that message to the world. Imagine that ingraining itself into some of these kids that are struggling with body issues and and suffering anorexia and all these other things which are really at the heart of social media and all these these distorted uh, views of oneself. No, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I wish I had that when I was a teenager. I was very overweight as a teenager and I was extremely bullied at school. I didn't know Christ, I didn't grow up in the church. And if someone had have told me that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, I would have scoffed in their face. But if we are in Christ, we cannot say, well, that can't be true of me. Because the scripture says it is. So you take that and you, you, you live with that and you mull it over. And you uh, commit it to memory. You meditate on it and you ask God, is that really true of me? And I can guarantee he will affirm in every way that his love for you has, has made you just as, he, uh, just as he would have you and that he has overcome the sin in your life uh, just as he would uh, have you. See, I think the difference between meditation that we have in our mind, that the, often the New Age movement, which a lot of churches are, are influenced by, uh, or, or Eastern philosophies. I used to practice a lot of Eastern philosophy before I became a Christian. 
I used to be writing to Zen Buddhism and, and, and Taoism and, and the idea of meditation there is to sit and empty your mind of everything. Because they, the, at the heart of, say, Taoism is very much that you are an unhewn log. Which means that when you, when you were born, you were, even, you were exactly how you were meant to be. That there was nothing wrong with you when you were born. That you, ha- you were, a, like, like a, if you think of a tree, it, it grows in all sorts of ways, but it's beautiful and you are just as you were meant to be. And so a Taoist will empty the mind of the world because that unhewn log has been changed and straightened and, and altered by the world and the people and the environment around it. So the idea is to cast off all that so that you can come back to the purity and the essence and the perfection of who you are. Well, that's not the message of the Bible. That's not what the Bible says about meditation. The Bible is living in a great reality that you are not born perfect. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, but you are no longer in the image that God had desired for you perfectly. You do have sin in your life. And so one of the distortions that we have is to distort God's truth about you and distort uh, the reality of needing to confess and find salvation and ask for forgiveness and and find a saviour and a substitute uh, for your sin. But the beauty of Christian meditation is we can take God's word who he's given it and instead of emptying our minds, we fill it with his word. And so meditation is still focusing on something, but it's not on emptying and focusing and seeking the inner child or who you may be as if you are all-powerful and all-knowing, as if all truth floods out of you. And that all comes from the enlightenment. This idea that there is a flower blossoming inside of you and you just have to find it, that's the enlightenment talking. The Bible says no. Yes, you need to empty yourself, but you need to fill it not with something that you're going to find from within, but something that can only come from the one who is all-powerful, is all-knowing, and will provide you with a a certainty and and a hope that you cannot find within yourself. You fill it with the words of the Lord. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But now a righteousness of God has been revealed from first to last, a righteousness that is by faith. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and let us not be uh, burdened again with a yoke of slavery. God has demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Can you see how if you, you meditate and you start, you, you, you start um, memorizing scripture and you bring it into yourself, that God can use that to counter the lies in your life? You are hopeless. You are, you are worthless, the world may say to you. Oh, no. God says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I am not without hope because my hope has been secured in the Christ that has put his life, laid his life down for me. See, meditation is extremely important, but it doesn't happen 
outside of God's word. Because it's a two-way conversation. We speak to God, we bring and we lay all these things before him. And he speaks to us. And he brings that to us. But it's a two-way conversation. Now, practically, let me just explain how this might work because we are all very busy people. I want to encourage you, do your devotions in the morning. My Bible college principal used to say, Bible before breakfast. Well, depends on what life stage you're in, I've decided. But um, bring some devotion in the morning. But out of that, choose a verse that has really hit you. Write it on a piece of paper, put it in your phone, whatever it is. And you start walking the day and asking God, how do I apply this in this moment? You go to school as a teacher, just an example. And you seem to have lost control of whatever's going on in the classroom or you've got bullying happening from the staff room or you've got overwhelmed with pressures of that, that's going on. Well, how does that speak into that? You meditate, you talk it through, pull it out regularly during the day, commit it to your memory. The first thing that I, uh, when, when I was encouraged to do this, I'm, I'm going to forget get the verse, um, but it's, it's from Ephesians. I'm going to have to look it up now. That's terrible. God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. The first thing I ever learnt to meditate on and to commit to memory, which is obviously failing so quick. If I say things over and over, you might want to talk to Ellie about seeing a specialist. But see, there's, this is the way we can deepen our life with God. And have this conversation two ways. Meditation, I encourage you to do it. Well, the second thing is fasting. Now, I have to admit, I don't fast much. So I will open my door and I will tell you I don't fast much. Uh, it's, it's one of those things which I guess I've never had a commitment to. And this week is certainly challenging. Um, I want you to have a look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 again, if you've got your Bible, or just listen, and I'm just going to read the first part. So Jesus has just, he's just, um, uh, just given us the Lord's Prayer, and smack bang in this middle of the teaching on prayer, and it's bookended by uh, mentioning prayer, is when you fast. When you fast. Not if you fast, but when you fast. And I think this should challenge us because I think fasting should be integrated into our prayer life. Uh, I've, I've, I've been trying to avoid it, um, but I think that's what the scripture is saying. We should be fasting. I'm not saying every day you should be fasting. But see, fasting is to let go of an appetite in order to seek God on matters of deep concern for others and myself and the world. Now there are things that will hit you in life at times where you just, you, it, it so deeply concerns you and you feel so deeply helpless about. 
and you've prayed and you pray, but you are overwhelmed by this need. I've got a friend who just became overwhelmed by this tra- trafficking of children. You know, and, and it just becomes such a deep concern for her that she would fast and pray about it. Now she leads, she leads uh, mission agencies in that space. See, it might be uh, to do with your family. It might be to do with an illness. It might be to do with whatever it is. It might be for yourself. It might be for others. It might be for the world. And what you are doing is it's a self-denial of the normal necessities in order to intentionally attend to God in prayer. So you're effectively saying, this matters more to me than even satisfying my hunger. And it's a reminder that Jesus is the only one who satisfies us fully. Man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, we seek him first and his kingdom. And so we commit, we, we, we put off, we deny ourselves the very foundations and we redirect our energies because I think what happens is that we, life is about satisfying your needs. When you, let's, let's strip it all back. People are trying to put a house over their, uh, their family's head to feed, uh, you know, housing, clothing, shelter. When you strip it all back, they're the very essentials. And why is it? We're driven to satisfy those needs. It makes sense. I get hungry. I need to eat. Otherwise, I die. But you set aside that for a period of time and go, no, Lord, I am, I, I am coming to you. I'm, I, I, am, I am completely casting aside all these things. Now, that's changed from food in our day. And others might have chocolate or shopping or alcohol or things like that. Now, I have a certain view of this which I, like, you know, I think they're all denials and I think that's great and I think that's important. But they're certainly not essential. They're not, if you don't have them, you're not going to... Well, for some, if you're addicted, then, you know, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big sacrifice. I'm not saying you can't fast from those things. It's, it's, that's fine. You're denying yourself these things. But I think there's something very powerful when you deny yourself food. Right, if I don't have alcohol, if I don't have shopping, if I don't have chocolate, unless I'm addicted, it's not going to cause me a great deal of concern. When I don't have food, my whole being starts going crazy. And I have to come in faith and firstly lay that before the Lord and say, Lord, I am feeling this, I, I, I am struggling. And, you know, fasting is a discipline as well. So start small and, you know, work up. You might skip a meal or something. Or you might go to chocolate or shopping or alcohol or TV. That's fine. You can self-deny and that, that's fine. I, I just have a certain view of that um, as far as I think that the purpose of fasting goes. Now, I just want to point out what fasting isn't. It's not to manipulate God. doesn't mean that he's going to do what we want. doesn't mean that if we're spiritual enough to fast, he's going to give us more, than what, more things. But it does 
really bring you into his presence and you can listen to him and, and, be, uh, and really focus your time uh, on him. It's also not a way to lose weight. That's not why we fast. If you want to incorporate fasting into your diet, that's fine. There's great studies showing that if you do a, a, a certain fast, that's fine. But that's not why we fast as Christians spiritually. And it's certainly not something to show everyone how spiritual we are. And this is what Jesus is talking um, about here. Don't walk around and go, oh, yeah, I'm a bit tired today. I've been fasting for seven hours, you know, because I'm over spiritual. Um, no, you, you, you oh, put oil on your head. In other words, wash your face. Make sure that no one knows. Just as you're praying, you do it behind closed doors. Don't stand on street corners like the hypocrites. Don't walk around uh, telling everyone of your fasting life. Uh, and this is the thing. I, don't, I have no idea who fasts in the church. And in a sense, I shouldn't need to know. Because this is between you and God. Um, as a church, we might together undertake a period of fasting. And, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Now, in, uh, in the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, let me just read you some of the guidances. Bring your Bible and a glass of water during your fast. You might want to bring a bottle of water. Relax and breathe deeply. Place yourself in the presence of God. Offer yourself and your time to God by repeating Samuel's words, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Spend time worshipping God for his faithfulness. Thank him for where he has come through for you. Psalm 103, 1-5 uh, gives you a great starting point for praise. So as you can see, we're, we're combining this intentional, focused prayer of fasting with your praise, your adoration, your confession, your, um, your thanksgiving and your petition. Bring your desires to God. Ask him if this desire is in line with his will and his word for you in the church. Be still, listen, offer your desires and prayers to God. Now that's not always practical for all of us depending on your life stage but you can do this in your everyday as you walk and you go uh, that self-denial and uh, relying on him for all these things so why do we do this well we simply do it because we have a god who has done all that we can ever imagine that has given us these scriptures in order to speak to us, who has committed himself completely to us, who has gone to the cross for us, who loves us beyond anything. And he's also promised us that, as we read last week, it must have been in the Luke passage, I think, that if you ask him for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. I like that. I like the rock and bread one, but I like that one better because I have chickens to see a scorpion turn up in our chicken coop see he's promised us that come to him and you're not doing it because you're trying to please him or, or earn his favor you're coming to show your devotion to show your commitment and to just bring your heart and to strip back all the basic things that occupy your time and uh, come to him in an intentional way now, i just want to finish by uh, giving you another practice. Now remember, we've got the prayer um, board out in the foyer so you can write your prayer uh, and praise and, and, and answers. So I talked about that last week. 
Uh, and then I found this 40-day devotional with scripture reflections and prayers uh, for Easter. Effectively, it lines up with Lent. Now, we're not a traditional church here. We don't talk about these traditions that much. But Lent uh, is effectively a 46-day period. Um, it doesn't include Sundays. So without Sundays, it's 40 days to represent Jesus in the wilderness in um, fasting and praying. Uh, and what it does is it's, it's a good booklet. It, each day, it gives you a verse to meditate on, which is great. Uh, and then it gives you a prayer you can pray. Obviously, you're not bound by that, but at least it gives you something to start with. And then it gives you a question to reflect on. For example, the first day of Lent is Ash Wednesday, and the meditation is 1 Peter 5.6. Let me read that. One Peter chapter five verse six. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So that's the meditation. You walk with that. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Uh, and then you pray, Lord, I am not my own, I am a sinner and I have fallen short of your glory. Yet you became a man to die on a cross in my place. Thank you for loving me that much, Jesus. In this season, may I be crucified with Christ so I can truly live. And so you walk with that during the day, and you may pray more, obviously, and, and other things, and then reflect on this question. How am I conforming to culture? What would it look like to follow the way of Jesus instead? So it's an intentional 40 days and then incorporated into that, you may have a period of the day that you fast. You may skip a meal or you may get rid of TV or whatever it might be for those 40 days. Uh, and and, and, and you, you spend those t days just focused completely on, 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 on asking these questions and reflecting on God's word and having this conversation in a deeper way. And then you do that towards Easter and then we come together on Good Friday and, uh, and Easter Sunday. And I'm going to do a series this year uh, called The Five Victories of Easter after we've finished prayer. And, uh, and that will tie in, I think, really well. So I'm going to have a bunch of these printed off this week. And so uh, it officially starts, I think it's Wednesday the 5th of March. Uh, so I'll have these available to you and I may even distribute that in soft copy as well. Uh, but that's okay. There's no copyright on those. They're free. Uh, and so, you, yeah, you're welcome to uh, have one of those. As I said, this is going to be a very practical series. Uh, my prayer is that we are deepening in prayer. My prayer is as a church we, we, we value and we put prayer as our priority. Next week we're going to look at the priority of prayer and, uh, and look at why we should pray in the first instance on all occasions. So... Let's pray and we'll commit this to the Lord. Father God, thank you uh, that we come to you as our Father. Thank you um, that we can say, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forevermore. Amen.